Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Another rambling episode with Rich. Uh, I hope you enjoy our ramblings. I do. Uh, Rich and I got going. Got good feedback from the last time we did this, so uh, we're having a good time with it. We, we're not restricted by what we want to talk about, and we just kind of go back and forth. So thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So uh, here it is, and uh, again, thanks, Rich, and thanks, listeners. John Keating was talking about the idea that Aaron Judge set an American League record. That really should have an asterisk. Now in the day of interleague playing, why are we talking about league records when there's a full array of interleague games? And both leagues are pretty much playing by the same DH rules and all that stuff. So what do you think about that? I think it's cool to think this is the American League record, but is that archaic or outdated? Yes and no. The problem is the American League still plays the National League in the All-Star Game in the World Series. If baseball ends up going to the NBA or the NHL model, even the NBA has conferences, but you're all in one league. Yeah. And the people don't have Western and Eastern Conference records. You're, you have an NBA record. But <laughs> these are considered two different leagues. Now, if they change it to, say, American Conference or national conference, I guess maybe without violating what football already says. So maybe you have to come up with different names. If they change them from leagues to conferences, then I think John Keating has a really good point. But as long as it's still saying league, then it's considered different just because of the history of more than 120 years at this point of leagues. Okay, here's another way that could happen in a way that would make people think, what's the purpose of leagues? And I think this will happen in our lifetime, and that is reseeding of playoffs regardless of conference. It could happen in basketball. This year's the first year Eastern is regarded as more loaded than Western. Same thing with football. You've got the NFC. If they reseeded the playoffs when you got down to the final eight or the first 16 even, instead of having two tournaments with one through eight, you've got a one through 16 where two teams from the same division could play each other again all those things make for who won the pennant you do know that in hockey they did that 40 years ago they had 21 teams in the league 16 would make the playoffs and everything was purely seeded there was no conferences really you had your division you could win your division but they actually did that in hockey like in the late 70s early 80s i believe where anymore no they haven't done it for a long time but they did it for a while which is how you had things like Buffalo and Philly yeah. playing each other in the 75 NHL NHL finals. <laughs> Both teams were not that far apart from each other, geographically speaking. I'm a purist. I'd like there to be American League records and National League records and Major League records. But now that the rules are not that much different, the pitching records were pretty off when you had National Leaguers not dealing with a DH and American leaguers dealing with DH. But now that's not the case anymore. Another question for you. I did not do a tribute to Dick Grote. Not that you're going to criticize me, but it's a part of my youth. And uh, it came up. He was great. He was a great player and a great athlete. But I can't do tributes for everybody. And 
it doesn't mean he's not worthy in any sense as a man or as an athlete. It's just, I have a couple stories for him, but nothing to fill up 15 minutes. And He's got several things. He played in the NBA, I believe. Yeah. He's one of, I believe, 13 people who have played in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Yeah. He also was the first Duke basketball All-American. That's pretty impressive. I'm focusing on basketball. He won an MVP in baseball. Should it have been Clemente in 60? I mean, that's that's a different subject. But he was a legitimately good to great player. He also, I believe, in 63 was very competitive in the MVP award, too. It's just that Sandy Koufax went 25-5 and five that year, and the Dodgers won the pennant, and you don't mess around with that. But he was definitely a glue-type player. Is he Hall of Famer? No. Do you ever think of him as a Hall of Famer? No. But was he a good player? Yes. Here's something else. He signed a lot of cards. He signed for years for tops with all these legend sets and retired great sets. And so there's enough Dick Road autographs out there at a reasonable price. If you want a card of a guy who had a nice career, won an MVP award, was well-regarded. I believe he was a Pitt basketball announcer later on, too. The analyst for Pitt basketball. So if you want a well-rounded person, you can't ask for much more than that. And making it to 92, that's a really good run. How many cards do you have of Dick Grote where he doesn't have a cap on? I don't remember. Uh, probably less now after I sold my inventory last year. I believe he was balding, so I'm sure most of his That's cards I don't think on. he has any cards without a hat on, without a cap. In fact, my mom told her my brother was wearing a cap, and she told him, she said, you know what? If you keep that cap on, you're going to turn out like Dick Grote. <laughs> and I told my brother, who has a lot more hair than me, I said, apparently I didn't hear that, but you did, and you took the cap off. But somehow my mom knew. But my mom was a big fan. It still is, but was a big fan. Looking right now, I went to comc.com. Okay. And I'm looking at the 60s cards. Yep. And not one of his cards that I'm seeing is a capless card of him. I was purely speculating, Rich, but I just thought, if there would be one, you would know it. But I don't um, And I'll look at the 50s. It's possible there's a 50s out there. His rookie and, is 52 tops, high number. Yeah. And even that's got a cap on it. Yeah. Not one card that I saw on comc.com, 50s or 60s. I did not check what's sold out. I only checked what's active. Every card, he's wearing a cap. Okay. So kids at home, don't wear your cap all the time. <laughs> I occasionally get people sending me cards in the mail and sometimes they'll ask me for personalization or something. And I'm generally pretty compliant and easy and all that stuff. My question to you is how many are you getting? Every few months I get one. I had somebody on LinkedIn asked me a few months ago and I said, yeah, he'll sign. As long as you send me a self-addressed envelope, he'll sign. I know Mark Hoyle who has a great Red Sox collection. He said stuff to me. I have a few other people. A couple of times a year, I get people to send stuff for you. I know, but what are they sending for you? I'm talking about for you. I don't get any. The last one I got, it was a trade. And it involved your card that Sabre made for you. I'm talking about you getting autographed. No, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Somehow, Keith Olbermann somehow said he wanted, I guess, one of those cards. And I said, I'll tell you what. I'll send you one of my cards signed if you send me one of your cards signed. 
And he probably expected it. Would, I think he wanted mine. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll just trade you straight up. And he probably thought I'd want like a lot of money. I was like, oh, no, this is, I'm just trading you as a collector to a collector. I gave away enough of the people locally. So anybody who wants my card has it. Your tops card. I haven't shown it recently, but I will tell you, people every once in a while will send it into ComC and people do buy those cards. Oh, for sure. I'm just shocked that you're not, and I, sometimes I get other stuff that they want me to sign that might be like a copy of the magazine. I'm just wondering, you know, but my point is, and you don't, if they said, we want you to sign it, Uncle Rich, you wouldn't say, you'd say fine? Yeah, I'd say fine. That's my persona now. Okay. You think it's worth more, Uncle Rich? No, it's just my persona. Okay. What's funny is that... <laughs> I like the story you told because Beckett Authentication doesn't have any exemplars of my signature. I know, they do. And I said, do you want Rich to drive 10 minutes down to your office to say, I gave him this card in person, it's him? Our mutual friend, Bruce Parker, Yeah. he sometimes helps because he's done a lot of golf autographs. And he's actually had to authenticate the autographs he's gotten in person sometimes to JSA. He said, no, I got this in person. It's good. Also... He could authenticate your signature, too, I think. He actually yeah. could have his own authentication for some of those obscure signatures that he trades in. I know Mike Payne has a very early Frank Thomas signature that he got before Frank even made the major leagues, which is totally different than what Frank has today. Yeah, We know the signature is good. Well, I trust Mike. It's the authenticators. It depends. The authenticators have their own philosophy of who they trust or what exemplars they're going to accept. I think a few years ago, they came across like Derek Jeter's Little League team when he signed something when he was 13 years old. And they, they obviously had no exemplars for what his signature was like when he was 13. How about the Mark Zuckerberg Little League card? I guess when it's outrageous like that and it's a believable story and you only see one, if there was a whole bunch of them, you'd say, okay, maybe there's something going on here. Speaking of weird things, a few months ago, I was in some group chat on YouTube. Apparently, the Dave Kingman 85 Tops card that Wayne Grove provided, like the 500, so we could learn. Apparently, somebody was asking like $3,000 for one of those cards on eBay. And they asked me if I had one. I said, yeah, here it is. And it was like, how many do you want? I only have one. <laughs> They're out there. Weren't they all sevens? Almost all sevens? Yeah, they were all sevens. Yeah. Probably today they'd be eights and nines because I think we graded a little harder on those. Yeah. <clears throat> and they were all sevens. And, you know, I took it around. I remember I went to a Fort Washington show. And I basically showed everybody who was integrated cards to holders just to get their opinions. They said it was too heavy? Some did. Some loved it. Because substantial. Yeah, substantial. They said, the problem is I can open a PSA holder. That's when I knew there could be some issues. And I'm glad we went for the holder that was really supersonically sealed. When you and I taped the Growing Up 80 special, and I had a card I brought with me to the offices that I needed reholdered for ComC. And I will tell you that Roberto, the head of the pure slabbing area, Roberto, to his credit, he still gets upset if he sees anything that's not perfectly put on the slabs. To him, it's a source of pride. Just like when I went on the tour the week of the Dallas Industry Summit to the printing press, the person who gave us the tour of the printing press was like one of the senior VPs or owners or whatever. And he was still upset. 
and you could tell in his voice, he was still annoyed that the cards that we used as box toppers from whatever FLIR product it was, were only 8.5s and 9s and not 9.5s and 10s. And he was still annoyed because he wanted every card to be, so to speak, a 9.5 or 10. Because he took such pride in what they produced. Great aspiration. Roberto was there when we were there. And he always had a good eye, attention to detail. Even though he wasn't a grader, he was just a sharp guy. Actually, I think he volunteered for that. He did. We brought him back to the company to do that. And he's been there. He's been there almost. He is the second tier of hires for BGS. He was the first slabber. Yeah. And I remember when we hired him back, he had left, and then he came back. It was great. He really loved the company. Yeah. He's still there. And I saw Roxana at the Mark Anderson thing, and she loves what she does in grading. And basically, everybody in grading knows if there's an invoice from Roxana, <laughs> it's good. <laughs> they don't worry about it. <laughs> the man that-